it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. They're running a strange program, y'all. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Reckless speculation. All right, that was, that was fun. Let's take, let's take one more call on this and then... I, you and I are both seeing a ton of negative feedback, not for like the visual aspect of the Super Bowl broadcast. The visual stuff was great, and I think Minneapolis looked great, and the stadium is a big time stadium. But for the broadcasters, yeah, legendary broadcasters, yes, and I kind of agree. But let's All go right. to our guy Bob in Pennsylvania, licking the wounds after watching the Eagles march to a championship. Hi, Bob. Still am licking the wounds. It's hasn't healed yet. It's going to take a long while. Wow. But getting back to to Bridgewater, Bridgewater's injury was not a usual injury. It was, it's in the classification of a devastating injury. Mm -hmm. I know right now that Marcus Lattimore and I think his name was, uh, what was his name, Napoleon McCallum? Yes. They both had the same injury. Raiders, you're correct. They never came back. And, the, and my, my only yeah but to that, and you're right, like we don't want to minimize how difficult it is to come back from this injury, and it's not a given at all. And so you have to sort of like, that has to be one of the layers over this Teddy conversation, at least in the case of a quarterback. Like if you're a running back and now your 40 time is reduced by a half second and you can't cut, your career's over. You can become less mobile as a quarterback and get away with it as long as your knee doesn't give out when you drop back. So That's the whole point, though. Bridgewater, a big part of his game was, was, was playing the game outside the pocket. He's not a pocket passer. He, run, he, he moves laterally, mm-hmm. and you know, that was a big part of his game. So I have a lot of doubts on how that knee will hold up if he still tries to play the game that way, even if he can. I don't think he can. Yeah, it's possible he I, can. I wouldn't take the risk on him. I would move on hmm. and look for our other options. Thanks, I, I think, Bob, thank you. And, Bob, keep calling in even though the Viking season's over. We love hearing from Bob. And Bob's a big Case Keenum guy. This there all, might be a way where you keep both Case Keenum and Taylor. That's what I, I was going to say. This all goes back to um, the, the fact is the only, the only organization in this entire league that saw uh, Teddy practice – uh, from the time he returned until now, is the Vikings. And and if they truly go, if they decide to go back to him, I think that's the scenario where you likely franchise Case, take, the, take a big hit, but it's for one year, play Teddy, and if Teddy is fine, you're in good shape, you extend him long-term, and if he's not, you go in a different direction in 2018. But, yeah, I mean, the Vikings are the Vikings saw this guy practice on, on a daily basis. Nobody else did. The media didn't. Teams didn't. And so 
Basically, the only people that have a really good clue about where Teddy's knee is at would be Spielman, Zimmer, the Vikings coaching staff, executives, and Pat Shermer. Yeah. And that's it. Uh, we will continue our off-season of reckless speculation. This is going to be a whole month of free agent buildup and the Vikings trying to figure out their internal options. It sounds like John DeFilippo, the Eagles quarterbacks coach, is number one on their list before they've interviewed him, but they have him pretty high on their list, if not number one for offensive coordinator. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens with that over the next week. This is from sportsillustrated.com, and I think it echoes, like, I have this same feeling, and I love... Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth. And Chris Collinsworth, for my money, is the best football color commentator in the business. He puts a ton of film work in. He's insightful. He's very opinionated. You know, people rip John Gruden because he doesn't rip anybody. Chris Collinsworth will tee off on you during a game, and I think that's awesome. Yep, he's very solid. And the headline here on SI.com is, Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth did not have their finest performance during Super Bowl 52. And it points out some of the kind of the stumbling over the, the the reviewed touchdowns. And I would say, I, I want to add to that. So I don't think they did a great job of taking the audience through the two big touchdown reviews in a way that was, okay, this is what's happening. This is what they're thinking. Both kind of shrugged their shoulders. Well, I don't know what a catch is. And it's like, well, okay, there are defined rules here that you can lean on. Mm-hmm. So that kind of bothered me. But then the other thing, I almost felt like, and we have some, let's go back and listen to this, because maybe I'm remembering wrong, and you were in the press box yeah, watching, did so you didn't see, see the broadcast, Correct. but I almost felt like the final five minutes of one of the great Super Bowls of all time, the the highest scoring Super Bowl and yardage and all these things, and you got, you've got an Eagles underdog franchise that's never won one, and a legacy combination of Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, and the final five minutes kind of felt like the second half of a preseason game energy-wise. Like, I don't need Gus Johnson or Kevin Harlan to be freaking out every time I turn on the TV to watch a sporting event, although it's fun when they do. Al Michaels was comatose when I remember back to the game. Well, so let's play a couple of these. We have some some key plays from the second half, and these guys are getting ripped. This was Patriots' season on the line, fourth and ten, on one of their final two drives. It might have been the final drive. This was at the very end. This is from the nine-yard line. Fourth and ten from the nine. Brady fires, and that'll keep it going. Amendola up at the 20-yard line. That was Super Bowl on the line, 4th and 10. Tom Brady, greatest quarterback that of all time. That sounded like September. Right? Um, let's see here. This was the Brady fumble. Let's see. Brady. Oh, that's the other. That's the the radio call of the fumble. Um, Love it. No, that's that one. Back goes oh, okay, that's the radio broadcast. The radio guys were on point. All right, yeah. never mind. The, the three below those are the uh, Al and Chris ones. Okay. And they go for it. And Foles under pressure throws. Caught just enough for the first down. Zach Ertz. Forward progress. Nets him the first. What do you think? that? What, what circumstance do you think that was? That was a fourth down play again with the Eagles season on the line. Okay, yeah, keep going. Lovato to snap it. Donnie Jones to hold it. Watch. It is good. Big time. Oh, like, I think he was so mellow. You know, I, I'm going to trace this back to a game that I actually enjoyed Al calling, but it struck me as a bit odd. Do you remember the uh, the wild card game? I believe it was Falcons and Rams. Saturday night game about three weeks ago. And Al was, throughout the course of that, started complaining constantly. Yeah. Like, at the first half, he was just really, really sour. 
And it was amusing to me, but I thought, this is really odd. Like, there's a lot of people that are going to be like, what the hell's wrong, dude? You're calling a playoff game. It's a big game, and and you're, like, crusty the entire half. I just don't – he's done this for so long, and I think there's a certain amount – I don't want to – resentment's probably the wrong word, but it's just like – I've seen this before. Yeah, like, this – again, this is – He's a legend. He's right. a no, legend. He's fan, and he's great at what he does. Yeah, I'm And not... it's almost like this So th- this is the fourth down play again where the Patriots' season is on the line. Yeah. And their dynasty is sort of on the line in terms of it extending out for a sixth championship, right? Yep. And the clock is ticking. And they gotta, they've got to pick this up or the game is over. And it's as if he's seen this a hundred times. And, and you know, I know that he has. <laughs> right, exactly. But the audience hasn't. Fourth and ten from the nine. Brady fires, and that'll keep it going. Amendola up at the 20-yard line. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm being too hard on that, Michaels. No, I think Al and Chris, uh, they've been doing this forever. They're both very respected and very good. I think they've gotten to the point, though, now where they're the two old guys in the Muppet Show, sitting up top. Basically like, yeah, what do you think about, ah, that's an okay play. Well, you know how sometimes, and, and there are play-by-play guys, there's a, there's a couple guys I've heard on even some of the weekend like ESPN games where in the second quarter of a Buccaneers game, they're they're calling it like it's the fourth quarter of a Super Bowl. Sure. And you got to pump the brakes a little bit. And Gus Johnson gets that way sometimes too where it's the second quarter and and when he used to call basketball, to the bucket and down, it's like, 17 to 13, right? Okay, yes. let's conserve some of that. Um, but I w- and, and you can tell if you just if you don't see what the clock is on the TV and you can just maybe listen to the tempo and the tone of the play-by-play guy, mm-hmm. you can get a feel for okay, the drama's building here a little bit. Uh the, you could the, we're down to the last couple minutes, right? And I I remember looking at the clock sitting at home in the living room watching the game. And it was back and forth Patriots Mounting this comeback, taking the lead, mm-hmm. and I saw the clock tick under five minutes to go, and I think the Eagles had the ball trying to answer back the other way, thinking, "Wow, do these guys know that the game is like that? The Eagles can end the game here. Like the Eagles are driving to end the game right now, yeah, and to end a dynasty maybe, and they're just." I don't know. It was like they were just half asleep in the booth during the entire game. It was that weird. is weird. It was weird, but you know what? I I think it's also. The thing with the thing about this is, Romo brought uh, so much excitement, right? I think guys like Michaels and Collinsworth are like that's like that's too much. So we're going to go the opposite direction. And Romo, I thought was fun, but the thing that's clear with with him is, and he probably gets way too amped up at times, but he likes being there. Yeah. And it's it's almost the too cool for school. Yeah, you know, Ertz makes the catch. But you're not too I, cool for that. That's I know, the thing. and it's the Super Bowl. But my biggest people rip on Joe Buck too much. I like Joe Buck. But I criticized Joe Buck quite a bit 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. It might have been like the 07 or 08 NLCS, and it was a game six or something, Mets and Cardinals. And I believe it was a Mets outfielder who robbed a home run late in a game to like turn the game around or vice versa. It was this huge play at the wall in the ninth inning or something. And if you go back and listen to Joe Buck's call, it was there's a fly ball on the left. And he leaps up and makes the catch. It's like, wait, no, the, <laughs> oh, the, the freaking World Series is on the line. <laughs> and I know that you've seen this for 20 years, and your father was a legendary broadcaster. Now, I, I still think he gets ripped too much, but sometimes it bothers me when the old school play-by-play guy, I'm fine letting stuff breathe, 
But for God's sakes, like, wake up. It's the Super Bowl. That that sounded, the clips that you just played me now uh, sounded like they were from the first quarter of Sunday's game. Fourth and ten from the nine. Brady fires, and that'll keep it going. Amendola up at the 20 yards. That, that, Super that sounds, Bowl was on the that line. That sounds that like the clock is ticking first quarter. Right. It you does. know, I don't know. 12 minutes left in the first quarter of the Super Bowl. Yep. I don't know. So we'll, uh, we're going to get some baseball speculation in here, too. Is anyone going to sign anybody? Can be our conversation with Dude, Todd Frazier signed with the Mets. I love how everyone's mad that Todd Frazier, who, who bats a, a buck 90 and hits a couple home runs, and everyone's mad, like the players and the agents are mad that he's going to get $17 million over two years for a guy who is diminishing in value. He's getting old. Again, he swings and misses at everything and hits like maybe 30 home runs. That's what Todd Frazier should get. Players need to re- just go sign. You're going to make millions of dollars. Just go sign a damn contract. Um, let's come back here and introduce our first off-season pecking order, and it's going to have to do with annoying fan bases. Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd now continue. We have the goods. On 1500 ESPN. And this portion of Mackie and Judd is sponsored by Metafab. This is the pecking order. This week's topic... The most obnoxious fan bases in all of sports. Here are Mackie and Judd. Wow, there it is. I like it. A new 2018 Very intro. Good, Dave Harrigan. Bravo. Dave Harrigan slinging it around. That sounded creepy. I don't know why I just said that. You said it, not me. Slinging around the new intro is what I meant. Dave is, <laughs> Dave is at his creative zenith today. How about that? Oh, man. Not slinging anything so, around. The inspiration here, no, 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 no. Eagles fans, is the inspiration. Yeah. And you can put them on the list. It doesn't preclude you from putting them on the list. But which fan bases do you hate the most? Mm-hmm. The most annoying fan bases through your eyes? I get that certain, I'm sure Auburn fans think Alabama fans are annoying, so they might put, their list might look different. Mm-hmm. Uh, who wants to go first here? Who starts off the offseason? Oh, go ahead. Go All ahead. right. So I have eight. I put eight on the list. And by the way, uh, new rule for the pecking orders. We used to just do 10. I think we keep it open for 2018. If you want to do 10, do 10. If you want to do three, do three. Whatever feels good to you in the pecking order, unless we specify like top 10 lists. Sure. So I have eight on my list. And it's kind of a cop out because I have two of them tied at number eight. Lakers and Yankees fans, I'm putting in the same category at number eight on my list. They're very obnoxious, but they've earned it. Like, I can live with it. Actually, Patriots fans I'll put on the same pedestal here. So Lakers, Yankees, and Patriots fans, yep, totally obnoxious. Uh, definitely, you know, don't want to spend a lot of time around them in their stadiums. And there's a lot of bandwagon jumpers, too. But when you have as many championships as those franchises have, yep, you got to kind of live with the trash talk. You just have to. Number seven, mm-hmm. Raiders fans. <laughs> because a stadium of 70,000 Raiders fans is a collective IQ of like 45. Like if you add them all up, it's 45. And a lot of people who probably should be incarcerated. Yes. Correct. Uh, and because they're not incarcerated, they're fighting people. Like if you can't win the game, you might as well win the fight in the parking lot. And that's that's the Raiders. You see more brawls and stories about uh, just like fans getting drunk and bloody in the stands at Raiders games. Number five? Or number number six, I should say. Mm-hmm. Ohio State football fans. Ooh. Actually, I'm going to broaden that out. Ohio State fans, period, for insisting that they put a the in front of the college. Or the. Where the do you Ohio go? State. I go to the yep. Ohio State. They're no, very proud of that. You go to Ohio State. 
No, it's the or Miami. The U. Where do you go to school? I go to the U. No, you don't. I go to the U. The U of Miami. Like, okay. The Ohio State. <laughs> Just pump the brakes. All right. Calm down. Okay. Number five, Browns fans. Because why are you a Browns what fan? What did they ever do? Why are you a Browns? Like, what did their team ever do? That's the point. <laughs> Why are you a Browns fan? I, You're obnoxious by just spending money on that garbage I, product. That's the exact reason I've hated Cubs fans forever, and that included before the World <laughs> Series. It's the same bleeping thing, Mackie. It's fair. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. I'm too close. I grew up well, kind of wait, a Cubs fan. It's not the same thing. It's the exact no, same no, thing. No, 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 no. The Cubs haven't been as being, bad as the Browns. Being a Cubs fan un- under this definition is actually worse. Because a, a Browns fans get nothing. And you know what? At least as bad as the Cubs have been throughout different decades, they'll put a smile on your face 50 or 60 times a summer. Yeah. Right? The and Browns be, might be, not give you one smile throughout the entire because fall. you've got a belly full of old stuff. And you'll be warm and dry. <laughs> oh, there, let's there, stretch, everybody. There is nothing redeeming about the Cleveland Browns, their stadium, or for the most part, they're tough. Yeah, if you're There's still spending money to go to that stadium or to watch that product, would, you're a moron. I would have put them on my list, the poor people. I mean, their life meaningless pretty much as All fans. Right. Number four, Red Sox fans. Mm-hmm. And it's mostly because I'm back on board with how quickly they forget about 86 years of absolute misery. So you've had a nice little decade here, a nice little, I guess now, 13-year stretch. It's like they've totally forgot about what happens sometimes socks. and what can happen for 86 years. Uh, so I'm gonna put I'm gonna put the Red Sox four on this list. Number three is another grouping, most annoying sports fan bases. I'm gonna put all SEC football fans in the same grouping here at number three. Scoggins, including Chip Scoggins. Yes. Good thing he's not Sorry, in the country right now, or I'd be very upset. Uh, Chip, yep, covering the Olympics right now. So SEC football fans like they thumped their chests about putting eighty thousand fans in a stadium for practice in April. Mm-hmm. I mean. You're going to watch guys run around 80,000, 80,000, 100,000 people oh, in a stadium for practice. Yeah. And then I think the the, the worst part is, and I, I like recruiting, and I think it's a useful tool, but SEC football fans follow the recruiting of 17-year-old kids like it's a religion. It's a little creepy. Number two, Badgers fans. And this is more of a personal, you know, There's a we, we sense this more. If you're in another part of the country, you wouldn't get the same flavor as we do. And yes, the Badgers are superior to the Gophers, and that's what bothers me. They never fail to thump their chests about, well, <laughs> when's the last time yeah. your Gophers did anything? It's like, yeah, okay, so you beat your three-year-old nephew in driveway hockey. We get it. He's The Gophers are, It's that's not a very high bar to set. Well, we're better than you. We get it. We're self-aware. We get it. Ultimately, Badgers fans conduct themselves like they're on the same level as an Alabama or an Oklahoma. They want so badly to be in the national championship hunt. Yeah. And yet, how's this for a little poke in the ribs, okay? The last time the Badgers football team won a national championship was 20 years before the Gophers' last football national championship. So, yes, you've been better over the last several decades. The problem, we'd be doing the same exact thing. I don't know. We've we never experienced championships. No, we don't. We don't, we don't but even we'd know. be doing the same thing if sure. we had the chance. And number one, mm-hmm. uh, no surprise here, Eagles fans, until Sunday, there's never been a wider gap between the bravado of a fan base and the actual results at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. But now they won a championship. It's the first Super Bowl. So you close the gap a little bit. But 
So obnoxious fan bases, the ones I hate the most, Eagles fans, Badgers fans, SEC football fans, mm-hmm. Red Sox fans, the Ohio State fans. And don't forget that. Raiders, Browns, and then the Dynasty fans, like Lakers, Patriots, Yankees. All right, I've got nine on my list, and I think only one college fan base, and it's a it's basically a combination of despicable fans and apathetic fans who drive me crazy. Number nine on my list is not Badger fans, but it's Packer fans. You people have had a quarterback, aside from occasionally when your main quarterback goes down, you've had a starting quarterback who either is in Canton or is going to end up in Canton since 1992, since I was 22 years old. I'm almost 50, okay? And when you and when your quarterback gets hurt, you would think the world is coming to an end. Look at what the Vikings have had to endure. And don't, and don't tell me, well, we found these guys. Yes, you found Favre, and good for you. Rodgers fell to you. So, Packer fans, you know what? I'm sick of your moaning and whining. Brent Hundley was terrible. That's your own fault. Too bad. But you're going to have Rodgers back next but year. But I'm an owner. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There's a guy in this building who paraded me down to see his certificate a couple weeks ago. Be my <laughs> owner ticket? I said, yeah, that's fantastic. Number eight on my list, the Chicago fans, and in particular, the Bears fans. You're far too aggressive. You like to get in people's faces. You like to, your team, for the most part, stinks. Stay home or be a happy drunk. One of the two. Number seven is my only college one. It's the Duke basketball fan. The Duke basketball fan pretty much encapsulates all that's wrong in college sports with fans. You're always good. You're always there to tell us how smart you are and how special your team is and how Grayson Allen is really a great kid and your coach walks on water and blah, 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 blah. I'm sick of you. I don't like you. Never have, never will. (laughs) Number six, I believe once... Just because you're uh, anti-privilege. Well, it's just so... Hey, listen... I grew up in Tonka, man. I know all about privilege. Not, I'm not even that big a you-know-what. I mean, that dude's name is Grayson. Yeah. And he throws tantrums on the court. And he's a terrible human being. Yeah. He was a terrible kid, and he's grown up to be a terrible adult, and he's going to be a terrible person for the rest of his natural life. If he had uh, any semblance of emotional intelligence, he would have been a first-round draft pick after, after his first or second year in college. Start by changing and your name. Grayson. Just change your name. Just yeah. pick a normal. Just be Jeff or something like that. Number six on my list. Jeff Allen. Yeah, Just be good. Jeff. I'm a Grayson. Oh, I'm privileged. I'm Grayson Allen. I play basketball. No, you're a little whiny wimp. <laughs> Number six on my list is, I believe, one spot ahead of where you had this fan base, Oakland Raiders. The Philadelphia fans are scary. I think Oakland might trump them. I'm not positive. But Raider fans love to fight. They love to, uh, if, if they can, sneak, sneak sharp objects into their stadium. We will not miss them when the franchise transfers after next season to Las Vegas. Number five, I start on my apathetic rants. The Atlanta fan base. This goes for all Atlanta. You're getting the Super Bowl next year. Good for you. You had Braves teams that were historically great. I mean, they were they they won one championship, but they were so much fun to watch, and they were so great. And you know what you couldn't do? Sell out playoff games. Atlanta. Terrible sports town. Number four, the Boston fan base, uh, particularly the Red Sox and Patriots. You've had far too much success. You used to be the lovable losers. The Red Sox, as you said, hadn't won a World Series in forever. The Patriots were a laughingstock for years and years. And now you have success every year. Every time you turn around, some type of championship is falling in your lap, Boston. I'm sick of it. Number three, Yankee fans. If for this reason only... 
1998, I, I went to Yankee Stadium for the first time, and I'll admit I made a grave mistake when I had been to Baltimore the night before and I happened to wear my Orioles cap into the bleachers. That being said, you weren't even playing the Orioles. You were playing the Royals when fans took the cap off my head and hurled it onto the field. Oh, wow. Really? When was this? I know it was my mistake, but still, 98. But that shouldn't be like... I. That... But you shouldn't be physically assaulting me I by agree. taking it's my ridiculous. cap away and hurling it onto the field. New York fans, Yankee fans are number three. Number two, Philadelphia. When you're hurling full beer cans and dancing upon canopies and eating horse poop, you know what? You're a really, really sorry group of human beings. And number one, I'm going to throw you a curveball here. The Los Angeles sports fan. The Los Angeles sports fan drives me absolutely crazy. Hmm. You're front runners. You arrive late to games constantly. You you actually you enjoyed getting National Football League games as many as possible on TV for so long that the second biggest market in the country didn't have a National Football League team for, what, 20-plus years? Yeah. Okay, you are a pathetic market. You have a lot of people there, so I get why, why you have all these teams. But the Los Angeles sports fan, I mean, Dodger Stadium, they come late, they come in the third, and leave in the eighth or the seventh. So, number one, Los Angeles. Number two, Philadelphia. Number three, Yankees fans. Number four, uh, Boston, Red Sox and Patriots. Number five, Atlanta, apathetic. Number six, Raiders fans. Number seven, Duke basketball fans. Chicago and Bears fans in particular at eight. And then the whiny, sniveling Green Bay fan who can't believe that Aaron's not playing when you've had quarterback <laughs> since 92 is number nine. Yes. Uh, honorable mention, by the way, for the Miami Heat. Miami Heat fans. When Justin Bieber just decides halfway through, I, I'm going to sit yeah. courtside with a weird, a weird outfit and a Heat hat. And then the amount of fans who left early before the end of one of the most legendary NBA Finals games, 2013. So there they are. Dave, what kind of stuff do you have for us when we come back? I do want to ask you something about the pecking order because I'm shocked that Judd left one particular fan base off his list. I'm going to ask that to start the segment as well as a big NBA milestone. And we've already got problems in the uh, in South Korea for the Olympics. Okay. Mackie and Judd are back. Come on! Again. <laughs> on 1500 ESPN. And stuff you should know about is sponsored by LinkedIn. Hiring businesses rate LinkedIn 40% higher than job boards at delivering quality candidates. For a $50 credit toward your first post, visit LinkedIn.com slash traffic. Terms and conditions apply. And now, ladies and gentlemen, please rise. Men, remove your caps. As we honor America and the Twin Cities sports scene with the playing of Stuff You Should Know About. All right, Dave Harrigan, what do you got for us? And you got a question for me, you said? I am shocked at your list. You seem to group fan bases as far as the quality they have that, I shouldn't call it a quality, I guess, but the characteristic that annoys you. You know, you referred to the Atlanta fan base as the apathetic fan base. Yeah, Los Angeles very apathetic. Yeah, yes. Oakland seemed like the, the scary, mean fan yeah, base. Yeah, they try and intimidate you and do a good job. Uh, Green Bay, they're the whiners, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh. Boston, they're the loudmouths. Mm-hmm. I cannot believe you left off one particular fan base that I think probably drives you nuts more than others, but you didn't mention it at all. The Enablers. The fan base that shows up, pays their dollar bills, and doesn't give a crap about the product in front of them, they'll still show up, Judd. It's funny you mention this. 
<laughs> I thought you. I thought for sure that. Yeah, I I'm gave with Dave on this, this. I gave Minnesota, not the Wild in particular. I gave Minnesota some consideration, and then I decided the list was more about outside our market uh, fan bases. Oh, but chicken. I easily, okay. but yes, I easily could have put the wild fan base at ten. That would have been because you are right. They show up in their in their Gabricks and Pierre Marc Bouchard jerseys and whatever else they've got, and they cheer long and loud because someone scores a goal in a six to one loss. Yeah, I could have done that. You're right. Oversight on my part. Put them at ten. <laughs> They're in. Thank you, David. They're in. That's you. why you're here. All right, let's do this. Let's go back to Sunday. It was right about the time the Super Bowl was coming to an end. And unfortunately for Harold Kuntz, he had to be on TV. News on 6, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Let's go to the sportscast. Harold, I'm sorry the game isn't over, but we've got to get to the cast. But it's about to be over, right? This is News on 6 Sports with Harold Kuntz. Okay, late break. Here's that one! Yes! That's one! That's one! Yes! Oh my god. Is he crying? Yes. Harold's in Tulsa, but uh, I think he's an Eagles fan. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, that was. And yeah, nobody's watching the news, sports, right? With Harold Coots. Okay, late break. Here's that one! No, no, no. It's a good thing that went viral because I'm sure the eight people who saw it live, if it's at the end of the Super Bowl, wow. Wow, that's um that's something right there. What would the reaction be if our news stations went live, like the local news stations, when the Vikings won the Super Bowl at 10.05 and Joe, they and they get Joe on the Joe Schmidt's air. just crying. I don't think Joe, I think the Channel 5 guys are buttoned up. I don't know, though. Our guy, our guy Eric Perkins. I got a question Mike for Max, you. Mike Max, what do you think? Oh, I, I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> uh, here's my question. Now, my, my last name is Zolgad, so I understand it, I'm probably pushing things here. But do you ever think Harold thought about a last name change there? Why, Judd? <laughs> Explain it to me further. I'm just asking. I know I'm, I'm throwing a question out there. I'm throwing. I'm throwing a question out there. Do you Wait, think? Well, Har- what, what was his name again? This is News on Six Sports with Harold Coons. I would not be big announcer guy. I would refuse that job right there. One <laughs> slip up and it's all over for you. His cousin Rusty was a outstanding first, first base, base coach, former twin, yeah, center fielder before Puck. Dirk Nowitzki got a name change last night when they screwed up the back of his jersey, uh, transposed the K and the Z. But that's fine. That's fine to do on a night that the man hits an incredible milestone in the NBA, playing his 50,000th career minute of his career. I did some extrapolating, boys. Carl Anthony Towns, if he stayed away from major injury, if he just played, you know, the same minutes that he plays now, he wouldn't hit 50,000 minutes until April. April. That's wow. A joke right there. I see what you did there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. good. That's stuff. good right there. Good yeah. stuff. Very good. That's nice. Good material. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> wow. Luckily, a former... Well, that's, that's an original soundbite right there, too. It's a good thing no other... <laughs> No other midday shows or, uh, you know. <laughs> Zach Levine in action last night. He's back, and he can still dunk. 
Levine, he goes right by. Oh! Stop it, Samson! Did you not get the memo? He didn't come for the massage, he came for the facial. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh, why, Samson? Why? And then committed the foul. Look at Samson. Samson's upset. You know when you get dunked on, you want to push somebody. Uh, yeah, you were late getting over there, but early for a poster. Where's my poster machine at? Oh, my. That's Stacey King. Uh, Zach, yeah, Zach Levine wow, looks like he still has at least some hops after the, the knee surgery. I root for him. Yeah. I think he seems like he's a, one of the hardest working players in the league. He can shoot threes. Mm -hmm. He's shooting like 38% in his return overall, so he's got to figure out. Uh, but he's only played like 10 games. Uh, yeah, fun to watch. Say, <laughs> has Chip made his way to uh, Pyeongchang yet? Yes, he left... Uh, I believe in chip-like fashion, he covered the Super Bowl on Sunday, went home, took a quick shower, completed his packing, which he had started, and went directly to the airport. Hey, man, got to go. You had to got go. It. Third quarter, got to go. Chip Scoggins, always early. Well, I, I I I pray for his health. I hope everything goes well, but it sounds like things are already uh, hit a setback in Pyeongchang. As Olympic organizers have had to send home about 1,200 private security staff as fear of a norovirus outbreak among some of them has forced them to replace them with military personnel pending all the medical tests necessary to figure out if they do indeed have norovirus. See, so Chip, there's that. Chip's a little bit of a nervous guy. Can we say that? I mean, Chip would oh, admit yeah. that, right? Oh, yeah, like, Chip's, a, that. Chip's a nervous guy. Very prepared. I fear for Chip. His anxiety. He got through Sochi okay. I yeah, was more I don't know if he, about that know if he got through it okay. I mean, he got he through it alive. It. He didn't. I don't know that he enjoyed it really all that much, but he got through it. So, <laughs> but yes, he is a high anxiety traveler. If that is correct phrasing. And it was bad news for Gronk. Let's go to reporter Evan White on the phone. Evan. Yes, I've been speaking with police so far for the last several hours tonight, and just confirming in the last ten minutes, as you said, that a home owned by Patriot star Rob Gronkowski. Uh, apparently was broken into police uh, responding to the area where that home is. It's 618. We saw marked police vehicles there for quite some time until about 11 o'clock tonight. And police obviously uh, inside and outside of that home quite a bit. And apparently what they found, multiple safes and possible guns missing from the resident of, uh, residence of Rob Gronkowski while he was, of course, here at hmm. the Super Bowl. Uh, where was the house? Is this a house in Boston area? I yes. missed that part. Foxborough, yes. right by the stadium. Okay. Right near where they play. Yeah. Well, you know, good thing he can afford other things to buy in other houses. Can I he... can I ask a question that you, you guys might scoff at, but I don't get? What is the need for so many of these guys to have guns? Well, that's a question to be answered on a larger scale, but yeah. I no, mean, but I mean, like, why do you, it seems like so many of these guys, like, what's I, the I'm need to refer, have a firearm? I'm going to refer you to the Jim Jeffries 15-minute stand-up comedy sketch. Okay. Go to YouTube and watch 15 minutes of Jim Jeffries <laughs> asking the same question. Okay, I just don't get it. <laughs> You're not a gun guy. That's fine. I just I just think they create more problems than they certainly solve in life. As as Jim said, and by the way, if you disagree with Judd, 651-646-8255. Judd will be sticking around until 2.30, by the way. We'll take you right up to GL. Another 90 minutes of GL with Judd. Um, as Jim Jeffries put it, as Jim Jeffries put it with his Australian accent, just admit you like guns. It's not about like protection. It's you like guns, yeah. and and that's fine. <laughs> Just admit that you like guns, and it's legal for you to own a gun. 
But it's not for like protection or anything. Oh. If someone breaks in your, uh, that's the way he put it. If someone breaks into your home, you're gonna call timeout. Yeah, Wait, you well, like guns, and that's firearm. fine. Ro- you know, Gronk likes guns. People like guns. Okay. I don't know. Let's. Uh, I saw something really interesting here from uh, MSP Business Journal about the economic impact, perhaps for some restaurants. Super Bowl week. A lot of restaurants were promised some things, and I noticed this going around too. But let's get to that. And, and by the way, those things weren't delivered. Uh, also, later on, we will get to uh, some speculation on the baseball front with Derek Wetmore. Like, will the Twins do anything? Will any team do anything? And then we can talk to Sam Munson, no longer across the pond. He now lives in middle America on the Vikings quarterback options. Let's discuss the best car dealership in the Twin Cities, too, while we're at it. That'd be Luther Brookdale Toyota, 694 on Brooklyn Boulevard. You know, they will buy your used vehicle from you. In fact, it's the easiest way to, A, find out what the value is of your vehicle, and B, to get top dollar for your vehicle. So in as little as 15 minutes, and no appointment needed, by the way, you can just stop in during normal business hours, you can get a no strings attached, no obligations, no pressure estimate on what your vehicle is worth. And then from there, you can either just pocket the information and say, all right, that's nice. Nice to know that my vehicle is worth blank, or you can follow through maybe a trade-in, sell your vehicle, and get a check in return if you want. Uh, Maybe you uh, use it toward a new lease or a financing plan. The decision's up to you, but it really is the easiest way to find out what your used vehicle is worth. And it can be any make, any model. It doesn't just have to be a Toyota. Take it into Luther Brookdale Toyota, and they will help you uh, stop into the Luther Lounge area. There's a reason why my family and I have been going to the same place for for 30-plus years and the same people. 694 Brooklyn Boulevard and LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. You could say that 10,000 times and it still wouldn't be enough. It fires me up, man. I love it. Say it one more time. Mackey and Judd. Does that feel good? Yeah. They're both verbs. Awesome. On 1500 ESPN. 1500 ESPN and Sprint want to send you to the ESPN campus in Bristol. You and a guest will receive round-trip airfare to Bristol to get an exclusive tour of ESPN. Sit in during a live Golick and Wingo show, plus meet the boys, Mike Golick and Trey Wingo, and more. Stop into any participating Minnesota Sprint store between now and February 9th to enter to win this trip. That money cannot buy. More details at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword Sprint. Money can buy guns, though. It is true. I'm just asking a question. We're okay? already getting phone calls <laughs> off the air saying that you've alienated I half the listener base asked, with your gun views. I just ask a question. Why do so many professional athletes need guns? Why don't why do you, I'll ask this question. Why don't you have a gun? Why do you need so much beer? It's America. You can have whatever you want. I don't unless know. Unless it's, you know. Oh, I well, know. Within, no, within, no, no, within no. reason. No. <laughs> you are you are misinterpreting my my question as a complete judgment. I am curious. I'm just curious why so many athletes have guns. Because they like them. I don't know that that really satisfies my question. But that's being judgy. Oh, that's okay. I mean, I can no, be judgy. You... I can be judgy without making a complete judgment. If someone can say, "Hey, here's what here's why a tight end for the Patriots." And by okay. the way, given the history of the tight ends for the Patriots, this is somewhat questionable. But right, okay. But but but, he, but here's the thing. So guns are legal. Mm-hmm. Beer is legal. Mm-hmm. Uh, marijuana and is legal in certain areas of the country. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, carbohydrates are are legal. Mm-hmm. All of these things. 
all of these things at some point like warrant regulation of some kind because you can kill like at different levels, right? Like I can kill myself with alcohol if I'm in a car, so that needs to be regulated. Sure, and you could kill other people uh, in that case. So like yes. you know, with guns, like I can't buy a bazooka because like I would be able to take out buildings, right? But mm-hmm. I could buy like other guns, and that's the conversation. My point to you would be to play devil's advocate. If it's legal and if people choose to opt in, it's the same as asking, like, why do you opt into alcohol? Like, I mean, because it's legal and I can. Like how right? it makes you feel. Because it's America. And that's why people have, people have guns because they either like to hunt or they like the way that guns yeah. make them feel I, or they like guns in some other way. If podcast numbers are down today, it's your fault. I am just, what I said was. Or massive tech issues that we're experiencing. <laughs> Sorry at 1500ESPN.com. My question was, a lot of professional athletes like to have guns, and I was just curious why. I'd love to talk to a pl- player about it. it. It'd be a great story. 651-646-8255. I think it would be, I am, I am, as a reporter, genuinely curious in life about things. Well, I think there's probably, you know, if you're a celebrity, if you're, let's say you're a, well, a football player or anybody who, um, you know, who might be a target of some kind in your mind, I understand I don't know if I would own guns to that degree. If I wouldn't have like, I wouldn't have like a gun under my SUV seat or something. I don't think that would be me. Mm-hmm. But I could see. All right, like if I have a target on my back because I have a lot of money and I saw that Sean Taylor got robbed ten years ago and killed in his home. Like, okay, maybe I need to protect myself. I don't know. I mean, I would that be yep. me? Not necessarily. But it's America, and you can own guns in America. Just a question. You want to run for office? Just a question. <laughs> it's but first of all, it's not, not just Jason, a question. Not, There's judgment I behind am the not question. Jason Lewis, I have no interest in holding any type. Will of you admit that there is anyone. judgment behind your question that prompted the, phone calls off oh, the air? Oh, there is. I believe. I believe that any question uh, put forth from someone who's curious has judgment, but that judgment can then be changed. Like if I came out here and said it's just wrong and these people are morons, then okay, I've got a problem. The tone of your voice suggested that, and someone off I've, the air recognized that and called. No, in. but but <laughs> but the great thing about me is I am more than willing to listen to the counter to something and then be like, oh, okay, I might sort of get it then. That's the difference. But my curiosity, e- even at near fifty, remains very high about certain things. Remains <laughs> very high. Tap dancing over here, just no, tap dancing. Look no, at I'm you. No, I'm not. I am not <laughs> because because I am because I am not a gun guy. Doesn't doesn't mean that I don't that I'm going to say that it definitely doesn't work for some people. I just think I think it would be a very interesting piece to write to go talk to a lot of athletes who own them to say why do you do it? Why do you feel that that is necessary right. and i think you'd get some probably pretty good answers i think it would be hilarious if you just showed up to restaurants with a little concealing carry just like i went i went one time so my dad lives across from uh, my dad lives in arizona mm-hmm. and he lives across the street from uh what's it called golden corral oh yeah okay hold on one second let's take a we yeah. have like we have 60 seconds till we break here all right Such, go ahead floor is yours okay, you're, you're driving me crazy judd the answer's obvious it's just another way to spend money. It's like buying gold chains. You don't see the average guy buying gold necklaces. It's a way to spend money. They have so much money, they're looking for ways to spend it. That would be my answer. That's an, that's one of the answers, okay. I would say, for sure. I'll buy part of that, but, but you're also talking about something that, unless you're trained pretty well with it, can be turned against you, in which case it doesn't matter how much cash you've made because you'll be dead. Not Gronkowski. You just beat the crap out right. of somebody. Such, are you packing in your car right now? <laughs> no. I want you to flash a piece at the stoplight to somebody in a Prius 
That'd be a really right, bad idea. Oh, I see, I see a Prius. I'll take care of it. Please do. All right. Thanks, Sooch. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Loyal listener. 